0: Death is not the end. Of the new
1: flesh. Mom, the new flesh. I was hoping you'd be back.
0: Alright. I didn't have time to throw in the Charlie Clouser music at the beginning this time. I'm sure you guys are sick of hearing me harmonize along with it. Uh, welcome to the New Flesh podcast. My name is Brett Arnold at Brett Redacted on Twitter.com. Uh the podcast has a twitter account it is at the new flesh it's kind of a useless follow but go ahead and give it to us anyway um (laughs) and uh i'm here with rock at rock marooned on twitter.com jesse hassinger is here and we're three weeks into the is it eight week saw franchise
1: yes with a you know with a possible extension of one if uh if they actually put out spiral yes spiral
0: the book of saw with chris rock and samuel jackson directed by the King, Darren Lynn Bousman, um, is coming out in May. So we'll definitely be back for a ninth installment then. But uh, yeah, there's eight of these things that exist currently. We're on uh, week three, which means, you know, Saw uh, that That's the title. They don't get very creative until I think the seventh movie when they start <laughs> varying it up. Because if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And that's kind of the whole game here with Saw three. And I'm very excited to talk about it. This is one that I've since found out it's probably one of the probably the most popular in the franchise. It definitely was a very high grosser at the box office, the highest of the franchise, and uh, internationally it did really big uh, numbers. And it just has like that fervent online fan base that they always they really prefer this one because the gore of the traps is really fucking turned up to eleven in this one. Uh, for the first time in the franchise, like they've always, you know, been gory and toyed with the idea of the traps. But holy shit, do they really <laughs> take it to another level in Saw Three? And I watched it four goddamn times this week because <laughs> That's so much Saw Three. Yeah, there's like a theatrical cut which I think exists on like you know on HBO right now. I think it's probably that version as well as on HBO. If you scroll down below the entry for Saw Three, I hate the way they do that. It's kind of hard to find.
1: Yeah, I didn't know Saw Two had a director's cut until after I watched Saw Two, so that was helpful.
0: Yeah, like I think they—the first time I figured that out was when Doctor Sleep came out, and people were like, "The director's cuts on there." I'm like, "No, it's not. Where the fuck is it?" And they're like, "You have to like scroll to extras under the movie," and I'm like, "Oh, great." Uh, so it's there. The it looks like HBO has all the cuts, which is interesting, and I like that. Um, but Saw Three has theatrical, and unrated, and then a separate from the unrated director's cut. The director's cut runs two hours long with credits, like a full two-hour movie. Um, the unrated one is like a seven minutes shy or something. It's uh-huh. it's pretty close. And the theatrical, I'm pretty sure, is like the unrated is pretty similar, except for the unrated has all the gore that the MPAA took out, <laughs> which is like a shot here and there. Um, But it really adds up, especially when you watch them back to back. It's like, oh, yeah, this one is really a lot grislier. It just lingers on so many things. Uh, I'm excited to talk about it. And uh, Lewis Pitesman is back. Fan favorite. One of my favorite people to talk to. If only because he knows how to talk about these things. And I don't I feel like I don't have to do anything. I just stand here and let him go. And uh, he. it leads to great conversations. And I love him for it. Um, and there's a handful. There's plenty of news. There's plenty of Uh, industry stuff to talk about the Oscar nominations have come out or as my friend Tommy McNamara says every day on Oscar Sunday or whatever the day is um, Oscar nominations came out this morning. He is so brave. (laughs) Uh, The Oscar nominations have come out. Um, Not a lot to talk about on the horror front. So we don't really have to, but maybe Jesse wants to sound off. You know, I have opinions probably too. Um, And uh, Jesse watched the Snyder cut and wrote, at least two pieces about it that I saw. So that's right. If you want his opinion on that, uh I mean, we'll get to it here, perhaps. But he definitely wrote things on sportsalcohol.com and I believe uh where, where's the second one?
1: Polygon. I wrote a bit about the various directors' cuts of Zack Snyder because there are so many. There are. It's weird, isn't it?
0: Uh, he, why is why is Zack Snyder achieved like auteur status? Is it just because <laughs> I mean through it's, sheer stubbornness. I through feel sheer stubbornness like. of like not even himself. I feel like the studios really put everything on his back and for no good reason.
1: Like Well, it's it's so interesting. I wish there was like a I'm sure there'll be a someday like a more detailed history of this kind of thing. But you can see the kind of Warner Brothers ethos of I mean, obviously Warner Brothers has made lots of shitty movies over the years, but they've also made so many classic movies. And for a long time it kind of felt to me like Warner Brothers was like a studio that at least tried to pretend to care about uh, like filmmakers, you know, like they have this long standing relationship with Clint Eastwood, the longstanding relationship recently probably soured with Christopher Nolan. Yeah. Once uh, they Stuff uh, like that. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. They definitely soured it with the whole HBO Max same day debut thing. He was really yes. vocal about that being a decision <laughs> they made without consulting anybody.
1: Yeah. Uh, And I feel like Snyder's involvement with these DC movies was really their attempt to kind of keep that going. And it is, I don't want to, I won't expound too much about this, but I'm just thinking about this now that like, it seems to me like it's their attempt to sort of do the filmmaker driven thing that they've, they're kind of known for as a big studio while also trying to do the like very contemporary, you know, minding your IP kind of thing. So they really went all in on Snyder. And in a weird way that created his, kind of bona fides as an auteur i mean like obviously there was he has a stamp on stuff that you can see going far and goes as far back to his first or second movie but i feel like the reason he's so cultishly beloved is like 95 percent because he's adapted a bunch of dc comics like if he had just made more movies like sunker punch there would probably be more people there would be some people who we're really into him and like we're the the Zack Snyder guys, the same way that there are Paul W.S. Anderson guys. For sure. But there would be no sucker
0: punch Snyder cut hashtag that leads to a, you know, four hour version of that movie because it's not a fucking DC property.
1: Yeah, exactly. It's this weird, bizarre, it's this weird hybrid of a kind of bastardization of the kind of, you know, big studio auteur with the kind of horrible fan culture around like, we love, we fucking love Batman so much. We just can't, you know, just can't contain ourselves. So I, I, I'm very interested to see if these people follow him to like, not, you know, his next movie is not about superheroes and it's been a while since he did one that wasn't, I'm just very, and it's a horror movie, so I'm sure we'll talk about it on the show. Uh, But it's, it's, I, I do wonder if, his that fanaticism will follow him as he moves away from superhero stuff or if it'll just hound him into going back to superhero stuff
0: uh what do you consider the fountainhead to be because that's what he <laughs> seems to be really uh that's dead set on creating
1: show to me i don't know yeah it would <laughs> so Zack
0: snyder's yeah. fountainhead would be a horror film <laughs> yeah in I mean, every I, sense I of the word
1: i think he's he's like sort of a lovable idiot i like I mean, his like, in,
0: his interview in what was it the new york times the other day right? Yes. It was idiot is a whatever you just said was perfect because the things he says about his movie, like compare me to whatever crazy comparison he made. And he's like, that's fine. And like, he's just I just don't know where he gets. I mean, I get I get where he gets the bravado. It's because he's been you know held up by the studio like they propped him up and said, you're important. (laughs) So I understand why he feels that way, I guess. But it's so wild to read it in print like that
1: yeah and I think he's you know he seems like a like a good he seems dude. like a nice likable uh, guy at the same time yeah. as just
0: being kind of like dopey about like yeah he thinks he's lot. making these like brilliant fucking movies and a lot of i mean a lot of people feel that way that like yeah. he's doing some like brilliant deconstruction shit but it I don't know I don't know where you stand on that
1: yeah i mean i i I'm always interested in his movies and I very rarely can embrace them wholeheartedly uh though i you know i didn't i I enjoyed watching the the Justice League thing. It's just so... I watched just, maybe 10 minutes movies.
0: of it. And by that, I mean, I think that was all credits. And <laughs> I'm just like, oh, so this movie is like... I think I tweeted this and it got a lot of people pissed off. And by that, I mean like the people searching the hashtag who are Snyder yes. fans. I think yes. I said yes. it was like the the filmic equivalent of double spacing your paper. <laughs> and like using like is, 72 point yeah. font. Like they're just yeah. putting... They're putting... But what would usually be cutting room floor material, honestly, probably for good reason. Um, And they're just throwing it into the movie. Um, That's what I feel like happened more so than, like, Snyder Cut is his artistic vision. Like, I'm sure it is his artistic vision, but, like, he was left to work with what he had. And, like, I don't know. I mean, I've evolved in the past three years a lot. (laughs) and Like, I'm sure Snyder has, too. And I I wonder... I don't know. I didn't watch the damn thing. So I don't know how much of it feels like that joke I made, but it does from it, the 10 minutes I watch feel very much like, like, wow, they're just really
1: padding this thing. Huh? It does. It does feel like that. And in, in some ways it's fun because if you like these characters and I certainly, you know, I enjoy the wonder woman, the Aquaman, etc. It's, there's nothing like really wrong with it. You know, there's nothing like it doesn't disgust me or anything like that. And I had a good time watching it. I watched it at night. I watched it all four of it hours of it in a row. I did not fall asleep. I was, I was with it, but it does feel, I mean, it's just a, such a fascinating document because the idea is like this, you know, uh, but yeah, this is his, his artistic vision that he was denied. But like, obviously, his vision when he started this movie was not I'm going to make a four hour movie in 133 that includes, you know, all this material that's really extraneous. And I enjoyed seeing all that extraneous material, but it's so bizarre to me that it's being sold as like this is what he wanted to do. Because even if you talk about like what he wanted to do when he wrote the screenplay, when he, in that interview in the Times, he or someone, and maybe it's Deborah Snyder, his wife, who is also his producer, wrote, I think talked to Polygon or someone and talked about how his draft of the screenplay was also very different from this. And that's fine. That's very natural. Like you said, people evolve and sort of their ideas about these projects evolve. And I do think he works closely with the studio. He tries to play ball with them because he, is doing these giant movies for Warner Brothers. So I think all of the movies he's done, he's probably worked with the studio and, and and kind of gone back and forth about like, can we do this? Can we do this? What what are the parameters here? So it's, it's fascinating to see this movie that is both unencumbered by that and also like obviously not ex- either exactly what he wrote in 2015. And it's also not how he would have made it if he had actually finished it in 2017. And it's also not probably exactly how he would make the movie.
0: My computer cut you off, Jesse, in the middle of that uh, sentence. So why don't you continue? <laughs> you were saying it's not the way he would have made it in right. 2017. It's, it's or not. Whatever. It's
1: not how he would have made it if he was if get able to finish it in 2017. And if he was gonna start fresh now, making Justice League, it's probably not. Also, this is probably also isn't how he would make it. And it's just this fascinating document to me that it's it's kind of about the futility, really, of like trying to recapture wherever you were artistically. And that's kind of irrespective of whether you think it's good or not. And I think there are good things and bad things about it. Um, but it's this fascinating document to me of, of trying to kind of recapture your artistic vision at a very particular time. And that time is clearly past. And there are all these different factors that play into this. And of course the movie's going to be different now, even finishing up now than it would be in 2017, the same way it would have been different if he made it a couple years earlier. Um, so in a weird way, he's doing this like, fantastic demo of like an artist's like evolution or a devolution or however you want to think about it uh you know on on hbo max's dime which i find at least interesting to watch uh, i did in i so i enjoyed watching it and even though i don't think it 100 percent works as like a feature film in the kind of normal sense
0: <laughs> yeah i mean it's a as you said it's like a fascinating cultural document and like i think this movie not based on its quality. I think it will be like taught in film school eventually of like, this is what a movie, like this is a debacle that happened. Like studio interference (laughs) has always been studied in film school, but like, this is a great case study of like, okay, this is what happened when a studio didn't like a director's vision for something that they had spent a lot of money. (laughs) You know, it's not just that they didn't like his vision for justice league. It's like they had given him every movie. Like he did Superman. Then he did, the Batman vs. Superman. And now he's doing Justice League. And I'm pretty sure their plan was for him to do even more before yeah, all yeah. this shit happened. So, like, the fact that the, whatever you want to call it, like, the fans soured on him, or, like, the box... I think it was really just the box office receipts for a movie called Batman vs. Superman, even though it made, what, a billion dollars? It was still... I mean, yeah, it made a the, ton of money. The narrative on that was still, like, think about how much money this movie should have made in a world where the movie was good and people really liked it. Um, because, like, it still was a hit, but it was such a debacle that it ended up, you know, toppling the leadership of the studio, and, like, changing how they do things. And, like, now they have yeah, it hits is. with, like, Wonder Woman and uh, Aquaman, which, like, took it took years of, like, undoing Zack Snyder's shit, you know what I mean?
1: Yeah, and I feel like he does deserve some credit for sort of, uh, you know, getting the ball rolling on both the Aquaman and Wonder Woman. I mean, like, you know, he helped cast the, their yes. Aquaman and their Wonder Woman, and I, and helped sort of shepherd those movies. And I think those both movies are both way better than anything he's made for them. But its it also kind of catches the studio. You're absolutely right, in this kind of transition, transitional period where their approach to these movies was sort of trying to keep pace with the Marvel thing and sort of moving away from what we think of as kind of a more Warner Brothers approach, but at the same time trying to honor that by having this, like, one guy be sort of this architect of stuff, and it didn't really work out. It's just a really interesting, like, bizarre confluence of things that led to this movie, you know, existing. So it's interesting from a business perspective as well as just, like, if you, you know, are interested in weird alternate takes on superheroes, it certainly has a lot of it because it's four fucking yeah, hours long.
0: absolutely. And, like, so this movie exists and of course, Joss Whedon's version exists, which was like the studio hired Joss Whedon to come in and fix what Zack Snyder did to this movie. And yeah. his version and... is out there and like was in theaters and like was the version that, you know, was canon. And now it's like, well, now there's this version. Uh, it's. Uh <laughs> just... I think
1: the, that one, for, for I mean, it doesn't matter that much because these DC movies are a little more loosely connected, but that one will be... I think considered still, Cannon, if, you, right. if, if, if pressed, you know, what happened to Wonder Woman when she fought Steppenwolf. I guess that version is what, quote unquote, really <laughs> happened. Yeah, what really happened. Star.
0: Yeah. <laughs> That's like the that's the uh, God. What's the website? The Cinema Blend headline that <laughs> that yeah, gets what, you in yeah. there.
1: What really happened when Wonder Woman met Seven Wolf? <laughs> all
0: right. Well, I'm gonna have to do the fucking quick hits of news again, but we have more time than I did last week. I think I had 10 seconds last week, <laughs> and now we have 10 minutes. Um, there's a lot of movies I watched this week. It's South by Southwest, and I actually got in on Yahoo's you know badge, Yahoo's Entertainment's badge. So I got into the festival, and I watched all these midnight selections which are supposed to be the horror movies and uh you know what not many worth discussing to be honest with you a lot of typical festival fodder which is like two out of you know two and a half three star movies but i'm sure there's plenty i'm sure i'll have something to talk about i need to find someone else who attended and do like a bonus episode or something uh so that's south by southwest i truly don't have anything on top of my head that i was like oh that was really interesting uh did you watch anything recent
1: no, I mean I watched. Um, Come, what's it called? Come true. Did you see that? The sort of. Yeah, dream I didn't like that at all. Movie. <laughs> I I liked it to a point, but I did feel like it. it by the end, it really. I kind think of everybody, it, but,
0: yeah. everyone was into that movie and like appreciating the slow burn of it, and then the ending burned them, <laughs> and everyone yeah. got mad about yeah. it.
1: I think that's my mom happened. texted me and she was like, I, I thought this movie was cool, but what the hell? About, yeah, <laughs> dude. The yeah,
0: that's 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 right on. Uh, quick recommendation for the new Nate Bargazzi comedy special on on Netflix. It is, uh, I think, it's called The Average American Male or something. Nate Bargazzi, funniest comedian. He's actually clean, it's remarkable. I don't know how he's so funny and just being like a clean comedian, but you should check it out if you haven't seen it. Uh, Nate Bargazzi, he's got Tennessee Kid as his other one from a couple years ago i had the full-time magic is on amazon prime just love the guy so i'm plugging it i'm just looking at my letterbox um i watched the edgar wright sparks brothers documentary it's fine i also would love to make a documentary about my favorite band it seems really fun (laughs) it seems like it'd be really overindulgent and too long like his was um i watched the justine bateman debut film called violet with olivia munn
1: oh is that good i i love olivia munn me too and Uh, it's
0: so i easily okay. her best performance like she gets to like cool. be a lead and like do interesting things the movie is about like listening to the voices inside your head and like the voice inside her head is played by Justin Thoreau. <laughs> and it's like <laughs> it's like the voice inside your head telling you like not to do things and be like you you can't do it you're a, you're you suck <laughs> like just like anxiety and like imposter syndrome so like as an anxious person I related to it uh my fiance and I watched it together she had like a particularly rough week at work and this movie is definitely like a more a less, I don't know, like the movie, it reminded me of the movie The Assistant, but like less elegant is how I would say. Like, it's kind of like a more heightened version of that. So like, there's parts of it where like, you know, she's having a tough week at work and men are being shitheads. And I'm watching this with my fiance who just had these experiences all week. And I'm like, God, I shouldn't have asked you to watch this with me. I'm so sorry. But like, it was like visceral in that way. So like, it was good. It was pretty good. That was one of the better ones. There was a movie called Swan Song starring Udo, uh, Udo Kier as a a gay man leaving a retirement home to go like do the hair of his dead friend. Um, And they should have called it Udo queer. That's my only review of that movie. Um, Mickey Keating (laughs) has a new movie. The guy who keeps making like 80 minute movies that get into festivals and they're not very good. And then they end up on shutter. Uh, And you don't, you don't, you know, you'll forget them after you watch them. He's got another one. It's called off season. It's got a great cast. It's got like Richard. uh, What's his name? Uh, uh, uh Richard Brake in it and like Melora Walters and Jocelyn Donahue Joe Swanberg shows up but I didn't care for it at all uh Broadcast Signal Intrusion another low-budget horror movie not very good Happily Ben David Gabinski movie comedy with like a high concept premise didn't care for it so I am not going to talk about it very much because I'm not going to be mean uh Jacob's Wife from a friend of the show Travis Stevens who did uh The Girl on the Third Floor which I loved he did a new movie called Jacob's Wife and it's like a it's a vampire movie where like the vampire looks like Nosferatu. It's like really old school in that way, and it has a lot of gore and heads fucking getting bitten off and shit, and Barbara Crampton and Larry Fessenden star. So that one's a lot of fun. I enjoyed that. And uh, the movie called Gaia and the Feast. Both are just okay. God, I wasn't going to talk about these. Uh, news, <laughs> news, news, news. Uh, it Chapter 2 star James Ransone joins Scott Derrickson of Twitter.com's uh, horror thriller the black phone an adaptation of a joe hill short he also was a star in the scott derrickson sinister movies i think he was in those um the black phone is adaptation of a joe hill short story for blumhouse universal the call sheet already includes ethan Hawke and mason thames madeline mcgraw and jeremy davis the story concerns a kidnapped kid who finds himself in a soundproof basement surrounded by the remains of his of other victims when night falls the antique and disconnected telephone in the room begins to ring with calls from the dead uh the part Mm -hmm. is being kept a mystery see robert cargill wrote the script this is just all my twitter boys all the ain't it cool news crew uh came through for this one uh i think this sounds really interesting cool premise that's really all i got for it though Um, John Krasinski's Sunday Night Productions which is the company he made A Quiet Place with uh, they're making a movie with Platinum Dunes called Apartment 7A and um, the premise do we know the premise I'm not sure if we know the premise the plot details are being kept in the furnace room but it is described as a psychological thriller this is the exciting part did you hear this Jesse it is uh, Natalie Erica James the director of Relic is making this movie oh yeah. Cool. So they basically, yeah. you know, plucked this young female filmmaker who made Relic, and they're giving her a fucking Platinum Dunes horror movie called Seven A, Apartment Seven A. We don't know anything about it. Uh, a Quiet Place Two has been moved up. I talked about recently. It's opening on May twenty eighth now, so that's you know within reach very soon. When will they start doing screenings in New York again? Is
1: my question. I have no idea. I want. I assume that through the summer it'll be an option still to do the digital stuff. I haven't been invited because... to shit well yeah, uh, yeah exactly i mean and who knows i'm not gonna be the first person anyone tells when they when they bring it back but uh, i didn't even get no one even told me that nobody was uh, a screener was going around this week and universal yeah. usually tells me everything everybody um, has
0: seen it and i'm waiting because i have tickets for uh, Thursday yeah. <laughs> night in
1: dolby Ooh, um yeah i mean uh, i i i assume that Screening in person screenings will become an option again soon, and I even wonder if Disney will prefer to do that for Black Widow because they're so stingy and they like to, you know, make sure they control tightly who's seeing it. Right. Um, but I, I imagine it won't be the norm again till the fall, so I, who knows,
0: right? On uh, quick hits of news Resident Evil reboot has a title and it's called Resident Evil Welcome to Raccoon City. Moving on, <laughs> Texas Totsaw train- <laughs> Massacre Fetty Alvarez confirms the new movie is a sequel to the original with quote old man leatherface it is a direct sequel and it is the same character it's old man leatherface everything is classic old school gags a lot of the approach that we had with evil dead because this is freddie alvarez speaking who's a producer uh never vfx to do everything on camera it's a very old school approach to filmmaking vintage lenses it's very similar to the original film he describes all this on the bloody disgusting podcast i think the boo crew um so alvarez confirmed the new movie is indeed a sequel to the toby hooper original which is the rumor and, like, oh, wow, have they done that before? Yeah, they did. With, the, well, I think, well, the well, most well, recent well. one? No, the one before that.
1: Um, yeah. Was the, the one with uh, the Texas Chainsaw 3D know uh, Alexandria De Dario,
0: Double D, Dario. In that, Will movie. she be back?
1: Yeah. She'll be back for this one, I assume, right?
0: Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, and we know who's playing Leatherface uh, 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 now. It's Mark D- Burnham. Never really heard of the guy. Oh, another thing about this movie. Sally Hardesty is coming back. The original Sally from the movie who uh, doesn't die at the end, you know, who gets in the truck and gets away and like is crying, laughing or whatever it is. Um, They've never brought her back in any of the Texas Chainsaw movies. So this is the first time they're bringing her back. But she's dead as an actress. So uh, it's they're not. uh, Marilyn Burns played her in the original. Uh, Now it's going to be the actress from Mandy Olwen Foray, I believe is her name. She was in Sea Fever as well. And she's gonna play an older Sally Harvesty. So exciting, I guess, for franchise fans of the final girl in Texas Chainsaw Massacre. She's back, baby. Uh <laughs> Showtime has ordered a pilot of the vampire series Let the Right One In, which I believe I remember was set up at like TNT like a decade ago. Um, but apparently it's happening with Demi and Bashir attached to Star. That man is in every movie I watch. I'm <laughs> I'm ninety percent sure. The last three movies I watched had Demian Bashir in them. <laughs> he just pops up. Uh, I don't have time to talk about that show. Venom two, Let There Be Carnage, has moved. I believe because Fast and Furious moved to its date, but now it's opening in September instead of like July. Andy Circus is producing a horror movie based on the book The Last House on Needless Street. I'm not gonna read what it's about, but it sounds cool. Alana Glazer of Broad City is doing a horror thing for the first time. Uh, it stars Justin Thoreau and Pierce Brosnan. It's called False Positive. It's an A24 movie, and it comes out on Hulu on uh, January 25th. Or, sorry, that's wrong. June 25th. I can't read. So that comes out <laughs> soon. It's uh, directed by the guy who created Wonder Shows in, uh, John Lee, who also directed pee Big Holiday, which wasn't very good. Um, Blumhouse is doing the thing they did with Hulu, the fucking Into the Dark series that I stopped watching because it was horrible. And uh, they did it with Amazon, Welcome to the Blumhouse. They're doing it with Epics, baby. There's a Blumhouse Epics uh, eight movie partnership. The first one's called A House on the Bayou. It's from the director of Don't Tell a Soul. Uh, casting is underway. And um, Darren Lynn Basman of Saw fame tweeted this weekend So Lionsgate, he th- added them. If Spiral is a success, which it will be, by the way. Uh, can we talk about finally letting me have the Leprechaun franchise and trying a little something <laughs> something with it? Yeah. Just saying for the last 10 years, love you. And then Lionsgate replied, my Leprechauns will call your Leprechauns. So he said, that's amazing, making progress here. This is the first time they've acknowledged this. So it sounds like Darren Lynn Basman may get his hand on Leprechaun, which fell to the WWE Films people. And I forget who directed the last one, but there's like a they've rebooted it, and it wasn't very good. Um, that's quick hit news. We did it. Uh, now it's time to bring in Lewis and talk about Saw Three. Apartment. I just started recording actually because I wish I had the beginning because you're talking about how your apartment is uh, the, your landlord has the radiator on and it's really I- hot. Yes. Uh-huh. And this sounds like a jigsaw trap, my friend.
1: <laughs> wow. Um, I feel like after watching a bunch of these Saw movies, everything sounds like a jigsaw trap. Yeah,
2: it's kind of—it's kind of like found found its destination in that way, where like you watch a bunch of them and you start to like see that everywhere. You're so, like that ladder's
0: gonna land in my eye. I just know it. Right,
2: right. So it's <laughs> like with that, it's like the Rube Goldberg death shit, and like with Saw, it's like how many ways could I be tortured in this scenario? <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh why just because you mentioned your apartment being a sauna i have to mention that one of the things i learned watching the bonus features for this movie we're about to talk about saw three is that the very memorable scene where the woman is frozen alive um it's actually was like a hundred plus degrees in that room and everyone was sweating bullets and it was really hot and that was the issue uh while they were doing it which i just what uh what are the what's the what are the odds of that was, I
2: still don't yeah. – can, can that explain how she was frozen to death? Because I'm still not clear on the logistics of that particular – Oh, it's concept. my
0: favorite thing in the movie when it's like, okay, there's a woman here, there's a woman here. And then it's like, cut, and it's like, she has makeup on now, and it is no longer <laughs> the same person. I love that. I, like, How do you go from like not frozen to frozen? It's just like, we're just going to do a cut.
2: <laughs> I just don't think you can – I don't think you can freeze someone to death by spraying them with cold water. I think you, you could give them hypothermia, perhaps – Just really This is like the
0: the long game for Jigsaw. He just gives her hypothermia like you have three to six, seven days
2: left to live. Very (laughs) very unpleasant. So there's that.
0: Uh thank you, Lewis, so much for coming back. You've been on a lot recently, and I'm glad you made time to come back and talk about Saw Three. Um is this a particular like favorite of yours or did we just land on this randomly?
2: No. We we just landed on this. I mean, like, I you know, I didn't really Honestly, I've come I to learn this
0: is like a fan favorite.
2: Is it? Yes. It's not. It turns out it's not my favorite. Um, <laughs> I, I still like it. I, I just it's definitely like,
0: like, it's fucking two hours long if you watch the director's so cut. Yeah,
2: I Well, yeah, I don't think I watched the director's cut, but it still was quite long. It's I, almost
0: two hours, yeah.
2: Yeah. I mean, I watched, because I, I re-watched Saw and Saw 2 to kind of like jump back into it, because it's been a while. And I was just like so into those, and Saw 3, to me, was a little bit of a letdown. Um, But then I remembered how convoluted it gets after Saw 3, and I was like, okay, well, Saw 3 at least, like... Yes, you will be
0: pining for the days. The the simple days of Saw 3, you will be pining (laughs) for after... I honestly don't even remember. All I remember about the the next several entries is the twists being very dumb. Like, they just couldn't... I mean, I think the twists here, which there are multiple, because, like, the main twist is, like, the writer of the movie, Lee Wannell, would say... Uh, it's not a twist and it's like they expect you to know what it is. So like the fact that like there's like a fake out twist and more twists. uh, I think this movie is actually well written and well crafted. Whereas I think uh, the next few, I feel like they're really trying to outdo the, like they just, they can't do it anymore. You can't totally the twists anymore.
2: Yeah. I mean, I think that like this, this movie though starts to get into that territory when you have all the flashbacks it starts to do that kind of thing where they fill in these gaps that you didn't even know existed where it's like, <laughs> here's how that happened. And you're like, okay, well I didn't need to see that, but got it. And like, as the movies go on, they fall more and more into that. And it becomes like a fucking mess. So I don't, it's not like a problem in Saw three, but I think I associate those like unnecessary flashbacks with where the series really goes off the rails.
1: Yeah. Because, no, because for that, sure. I because I, I had one, hadn't seen this since it came out and I, I thought, oh, this is the one where they start having the twist be that it's happening simultaneously with another movie, and oh, it's yeah. not. Not yet. It's not just. Yet. It's just like where that sort of starts, even though it's not exactly what happens in this movie. This hey, movie. I have to, I have to look
2: ahead. up the timeline because I, I, I wasn't clear on like Amanda when she like like the timeline of the first two movies versus this one. Like this is a few years later, um, from the first movie, but I wasn't entirely clear on that until I mean which maybe is the point but I was like I I had to look up like when things were happening yeah
0: Yeah. these movies are like I forget I'll find the quote when we're talking about it later but the the creators I'll say like we're not being deceptive or like we're not lying we're just being deceptive and like the whole the whole like not telling you when things are happening thing does become a big part of this franchise and like a staple and it's odd because like the Wikipedia page saying in the second sentence six months later comma is more than the movie does like (laughs) It's like six months later, the aftermath of the game. I'm like, what? The movie just goes from Detective Eric Matthews to this scene. It doesn't tell you how much right. longer it's been.
2: Yeah, um, I, mean, yeah. I, I think that they like obviously paint themselves into a corner in this movie because they kill off Jigsaw, and I think like I don't know if the original plan was to just have it be his acolytes going forward, because like obviously you know we see like a bunch of traps that are not set by him in this movie, but they they find a way to get him into every subsequent film. Because they just like couldn't get over it, so it's like obviously if you kill off the character in the third movie, you're gonna have to like rely increasingly on flashbacks going forward. Um, yeah. Yes. Yeah, but there, it's it's uh, it's a mess.
0: There was, I think, Darren said, 40 minutes in the first cut of the movie, like the rough work print. There was 40 minutes of flashbacks, like straight, and he was and before they you know edited in edited edited it in throughout the rest of the movie. It was just like one block of flashback and i can't imagine how poor the movie would have been if it was just like boom 40 minute flashback enjoy they did a really i think i think you really do have to credit the editors of these movies uh for like making them coherent and the director uh Darryl Lynn basman says the same thing he's like without smooth editing these movies would be nonsense and like they film so much and the only way you can really tell what timeline it is is uh it's in is through Amanda's different haircuts and there's five of them in this
2: movie there's five different timelines for her i appreciate the attention to detail with her haircuts for sure (laughs) um yeah i mean i i would not want to see the snyder cut of like of saw three of the like long i mean i just can't even imagine because i just feel like there's so much like and, and I again, like, I feel like I'm being a little unfair because it's not so much a problem in Saw Three. It's more like knowing where the series goes that is informing my perception of this. Yes. But I just feel like even even in this movie, like what we see does not actually matter. Like it's not relevant what we the flashbacks we get. So seeing Amanda like kind of it, it just kind of drives me crazy because it like makes this whole thing about how she was like trained by him and how she like came to understand his teachings and how she helped with all these different you know games and all that but then like in the end she doesn't believe any of his shit and she does her own thing anyway so it feels like it was a lot of exposition for nothing
1: <laughs> um, it makes you it makes you really feel for jigsaw because you understand the frustration he must feel when his protege lets him down good, that's
2: good what point. they're
1: going for like they really yes. are
2: I, uh, I have some real problems with her as a character which we can get into yeah, yeah i remember yeah.
0: you saying that and i was, you're like i'm gonna have a spicy opinion on on amanda what which is I like don't know a, a fan don't favorite
2: know, I don't know if she's a fan favorite. I think the reveal that she... The reveal in part two is, like, you know, genuinely, like, a shocking reveal. And I think that, like, she's really... That's really a, a fun, cool ending. I just, once you know she's evil, it's, like, super boring to me. But you don't, I don't know. I think
0: that. the reason this movie worked. I really like this movie. And after watching it fucking four times this week, I think I like it the same amount, which is amazing. Do you think I would, like, you know, with repeated... Ab- just like get sick of it or something but i really like just the audacity of this movie to be like okay we're making these saw movies we have these twisted traps where people you know are basically forced to kill themselves uh or to hurt themselves to not get killed and now they like found a way to like twist it on its head with a couple things first of all i like the the whole jeff going through a bunch of trials thing i do like that he has to face There's like, you know, like a emotional reason for this movie to exist or for, you know, for the for that trap. And I like that. And another thing I like is that uh, Amanda, like it's a it's a plot point that she is not Jigsaw. Like she can't. She's not the same caliber of killer that Jigsaw is. You know what I mean? Like she. Well, is, he's not a killer. Exactly. She, he's not yeah. a killer. He would say he's not a killer, and he he even says in the movie like you're a serial killer, and I hate serial killers. I think or something to that effect. And like I love the idea of the traps being rigged. I think that's like very compelling. Like the opening, like Carrie uh, getting out of her trap, but she's not all able to, and then it fucking snaps. And like I think the first few traps are all like that, if if memory serves. And I just love that as a plot point, like you don't re- it's not revealed until later when jigsaw ex- says it, but you can i don't know if it was me having seen this movie before that I remembered that when it was early on in the movie, but like I think it's palpable and noticeable that like oh, these traps are rigged, like you can't win these, and I think right. that's well, like they, a compelling well, they point, they, way place to
2: take it yeah they they point that out with not the the first scene is matthew's breaking his foot and it's horrifying, oh my god that not, scene yeah Ugh. um but the first the first trap is the the first game is the like, blatant Hellraiser ripoff. With yes. The
0: Guy's got chains and uh, yeah. he's got, like, rings in his every part of his body. Yeah. It's horrible.
2: I, which is a very effective. The whole thing is, like, super effective. But th- that's when... Uh, it's in Carrie a fucking
0: classroom out, like, for some
2: reason. But, yeah. Well, she points out, like, the game is rigged because the door is locked. So you kind of... Oh, that's you, right. You kind yes. of get an inkling early on. Of of like what's going on here, um, and I do agree that's like a, that's definitely like a, a clever twist on things. Like that part of the movie, I I do like. I think that like the Jeff stuff, um, I found a little bit repetitive, and also For like sure. I guess like my my saw like my saw preference is either like give me a super compelling character, like like in the first movie, those guys are super compelling. Like Carrie Elwes delivers like an incredible performance. It's like a great, he's great. And then the second movie, it's like less about the people, but there's so many of them that I'm like, either like give me like one really compelling guy or like put a bunch of people in a house together and like do shit to them. That's fine too. But I feel, <laughs> like, I feel like when it's just like one kind of the, the Jeff story, it's like, we, we, we know a lot about him kind of, but like, I, it's, I don't know. I wasn't super invested in him. I don't really, I'm sorry that his kid died. I, I mean, that's sad uh but also now i know it's on callous so I, I i just i wasn't super invested in his story well was, maybe
0: this is inter- an interesting conversation like do you want like these movies we've talked about like the backwards moralism of these movies or like the ethics of jigsaw and and what that means and like that's kind of what i'm hearing like are you saying you just don't like you don't want that in a horror movie like do you not want to be like lectured and or in that way like (laughs) is that how you see it i I don't know i'm trying to get at something
2: no i i hear you i don't i think that the i think it's kind of like he's full of shit like i don't think there's actually that much morality to any of this and like i think that it falls apart really easily which is why i think it's kind of funny that amanda like is like you don't make any sense here i'm just gonna kill people who deserve it because (laughs) this is dumb um yeah i think like i don't know i think his games are kind of silly and like I think some of the people he gets are like really bad people. And some of them do not deserve the treatment they get. Yeah. Like so, the nurse, <laughs> the, the tortures are, the tortures are also like wildly different in terms of how horrible they are. Where I'm like, some of them are like, this seems unpleasant, but I could probably deal with it to like, I would literally just, I can't, I, I, if, if I were in the scenario, like if I were chained up all over and like had chains and there's a bomb going to go off, I would be like, I will accept the bomb going off yeah I'm not, or, I'm, or i'm also not gonna fucking dig a key out from behind my eye are you crazy like <laughs> like it's done i will die. it's fine um anyway point the point point being um <laughs> it's not so much that i mind like nothing to do with the morality of it i just think that like you know we're, we're watching this movie because they're, they're they're watching these movies for like the fun either like the fun gore of it or like you know there's some weirdly compelling story and and good performances and i think that the first saw is like a very good story it's it's like it's character driven and it's story driven and it's very it's less about you know the gore and I think the second movie obviously ups the ante by adding much more people adding a needle pit adding all sorts of like you know of that element and then the third kind of tries to balance the two and i don't really get the same power from the first two movies if that makes any sense I think that makes
1: sense. I think I, I, I it's funny, Brent mentioned it being kind of like a fan favorite. and uh, though I'm not a die in the wool. <laughs> Saw fanatic. I certainly saw all these movies when they came out, opening night or, you know, opening weekend or whatever. And I, my recollection, because I've never rewatched a Saw movie before embarking marking them on this project, uh, was that Saw 3 was one of the best ones. But I could not have told you why, uh, point blank. I could remember, you know, that Saw 2 was cool because it had the needle pit. Saw 1 is cool because it's got a t- great twist at the end. And Saw 3, I just remember also being good. And I don't know why I thought... It, maybe it was I, as much as this one... Being good as uh, four being really fucking terrible, <laughs> we'll yeah. get to. Yeah, but which we'll at him. Um, but
2: I, it does have some of the most memorable like games and kills. I think that's a lot. A, a lot of it to me is like this is the movie with the rotting pig carcasses. Yeah,
0: yeah and, and thought, the fucking like Jesus twist thing, which like horrible. It's, it's is horrible, oh, horrible. Yeah, like the most yes. fucked up thing I've seen in a horror movie, maybe still. <laughs> like one of like top it's really five.
1: Disgusting. It's up there. It's up there. It's definitely. up there. Yeah. Well, well, and like watching it again, I was struck by it, trying to figure out like, did uh, is there a reason I like this more than... Or like this as much as Saw 1 and 2 and maybe even preferred it a little bit at the time? And what I landed on is that I think it actually is... I mean, this, again, might be... As much as I might have negative associations with it because it sort of puts the series on a sort of soap opera with extreme gore and timeline twists uh, path that that they really go hard on with with Saw 4, 5, 6. Uh, it also feels like watching again i felt like oh this gets at a pretty good balance of i guess of, of, of what Lewis ta- was talking about here um the gore you know horrific trap stuff and the melodrama stuff it's not like high drama by any means but i would say i think i like the melodramatic aspects of it Maybe just because I find them a little cleaner and less convoluted, and, and maybe better performed than any of the any of them so far. Uh, I like the first saw qu- quite well, but I I've never felt the performances were especially good. I think it's one aspect where Juan just did not have the time, and you know he tried to make up for it by hiring some good actors, and I don't think all of them did their best with it. And Saw Two has some good performances. It's a little overheated. this one, I was like, you know, I really... Maybe because it's a little smaller. It feels a little more manageable. And it's not, again, not like amazing horror movie acting by any means. But the kind of balance between Tobin Bell playing Jigsaw and, shoot, now I'm blanking her name, but that woman who plays Amanda and uh, the one playing uh, the nurse and Angus McFadden who plays Jeff, (laughs) Um, I feel like those... Performances work pretty well, and the kind of balance of melodrama with just like sick shit, as as like the, as the kids would would uh, would be going to see these movies would want. I feel like it does a pretty good job. I feel like some of that is in the editing, in terms of how it balances some flashbacks that tell you things that are sort of interesting, um, and also what's you know stuff that's like urgent. And certainly, the Jeff storyline would not suffice on its own. The way that Saw Two really like the haunted house half of that sustains itself pretty well i don't think the jeff stuff would work as like the immediate hook my because my first thought watching it again was why didn't this just start with jeff and then start getting into the jigsaw stuff later and i think the main reason is that it's not that interesting on its own but i do think they kind of get at a kind of crazy, like, blood-soaked melodrama thing here and that is hard to replicate and did kind of inform future installments and that the future installments do not do as well. So I, I did find myself watching this going, oh, yeah, this, you know, for, like, a kind of dumb, contrived melodrama where the moral dimension is, as Lewis says, I agree, kind of, like, bullshitty if you even poke at it a little bit. In the moment, I was kind of like, yeah, I kind of enjoy or you know found effective you know jeff being faced with these choices to sort of self-mutilate to save someone else who he would maybe prefer to see harmed i don't know i I thought that stuff worked at least on the in the scheme of saw movies that where i I don't have like i don't think they have a high ceiling uh necessarily it worked pretty well in the moment and i think it's kind of a fragile balance where as soon, as soon as it gets a little bit screwed up as it does in Saw 4, I think it, it kind of collapses. But it does kind of go out. It, it leaves these first three for me on, on a relatively high note where it's like, OK, I, I'm kind of invested in Jigsaw, Amanda and and this nurse and, and her uh, her ex-husband, even though it's all kind of dumb.
2: Wait, point of clarification. She's a doctor, right? Oh, she, I'm stuck. That's, boy. I think well, I called you,
1: her a nurse earlier. That's my you fault.
2: You called her, she's, she's, a, she's like a neurosurgeon. Yeah, she's a okay. neurosurgeon. I just, I just want to, dr- I just want to point that out
1: before, yeah, before happens. I do it a third and fourth I, time. I, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I feel bad. Uh, it, I think, my, yeah, I would say a hell of a nurse because
0: she really does brain surgery with like a yeah, s- yeah, fucking power yeah, she's drill. Just, you
1: know, touch of brain surgery. <laughs> uh, no, I, I don't. Sorry, that's that's was extremely sexist. I, uh, I, I will t- I'll take as my excuse the fact that the Saw movies uh, never really feel like they are digging into the uh, the real <laughs> the nitty gritty of a particular profession so that you could tell, so- tell me someone was a cop or a nurse or a firefighter. And I would be like, OK, you sure,
2: could have, You could blame Brett for that.
0: Yeah, I know? literally said I, it like minutes ago. That was my fault. But you but, guys but, both brought up something that I think if you know, Lee is probably listening right now, I would imagine and he would he would be applauding because he said his goal with the script was to combine the dread and the slow build of saw 1 with the kinetic energy of the traps of 2 and it's like that's that's kind of what he did and i think it it for the most part really works
2: i i think i mean yes i think like honestly my 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 big issue here and like why the the melodrama part of it doesn't resonate with me as well is that like i don't buy amanda i have a, I have a huge problem with that character and i think that like I found her so irritating watching this in a way that I don't remember when I watched it last time. Um, I just don't. I don't understand her relationship with Jigsaw. I don't understand like.
0: I think I'm. A, she, I think I have a nugget here that's gonna like piss you off even more. Like there were. Okay. There were scenes where she was. You know, like the scene she demanded they include a scene where she's like cutting her legs. You know that scene with the knife. Right. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was her. Like she. The producers all were like, we asked, like, we didn't want to include this scene. We thought it was too much. And she's like, no, like we have to have it. So like there's something to I wanted to get to like the fan service-ness of this movie. And it's like well,
2: I mean, I, I don't like I that that's not the part that I mind. I think the part that I mind is that she is at what like by the end of it, she's like, I don't believe in your teachings. I think I, I kill people because I wanted to kill them because they deserved it, etc and whatever, but also is, like, in love with him, but also he's, like, her father. It just, like, it was a very, like, her kind of, like, intense devotion to him does not track for me. And, like, I find the scenes where she's just sort of, like, against her own best interests, like, you know, harassing this doctor who's trying to save Jigsaw. Like, it doesn't really make sense to me. I find it annoying.
0: (laughs) I mean, yeah. I mean, I hear that. Um, I, I feel like fans really like Amanda's story, but I hear what you're saying. It does feel like, they talk about this a lot on the commentaries and stuff where it's like, you know, we're lucky we cast Tobin Bell and and Shawnee Smith in those fucking bit part roles in the first movie because we, we're we stuck with them now. And like, thank God they're such good actors is what they keep saying because like, we're so lucky that we were able to like, you know, write these characters out and give them, you know, meteor performances and roles. Um, and I, it just, that speaks to the fact that these movies are kind of being written with fans in mind, and it's really interesting. So Lee, I found this interview from when this movie came out, and the the interviewer was, I think, it was Arrow in the Head, interviewing from from Joe Blow. dot Said, uh, I know you've been really frustrated, Lee, with the nitpicky questions about the traps and twists. Were the flashbacks a chance to answer those? And he said, definitely. The fans, you know, I mean, the message boards are just filled with these guys. They're crazy. I remember reading an article where Leonard Nimoy would attend these Star Trek fan conventions and guys would get up and be like, in episode 12, you're wearing a wristband that's clearly from the planet Taktar and Taktar wasn't discovered until series three. Now, how could you have that wristband? And here, this poor actor who's just gotten off doing Hamlet on Broadway is like, you know what? I don't know. I don't know what that is. I didn't write it. And for us, the thing is, I did write it. So we get on the message boards and there's some kid going, now, hang on, if he was lying in a pool of his blood... uh his own blood. And sometimes they get you and you're like, Oh geez, we didn't have an answer for that one. So Darren jumps in and says, the big one that we tried to answer on this one was everyone says, why didn't Lee drown in the first movie? He was in the bathtub. Why didn't he drown? So that's why that whole scene came around. So they're literally reading fucking forum posts. It's like how they, it's like how Disney made rise of Skywalker. <laughs> like they read the fan comments and they're like, okay, you want this? We'll give you this. But, um, I'm going to keep going cause it's interesting. But they said all the <laughs> flashback scenes, as you say, it's a playful way of giving back to the fans. And it wasn't so much born out of frustration of, like, here, here's the answer. It was more like, if you were a fan of Saw, this would be a little gift. I mean, Jason Constantine from Lionsgate, during the writing of Saw three, we were talking about he's a huge Star Wars fan. And we were talking about the prequels. Um, and even Revenge of the Sith. Sorry, George. And I was talking to Jason Constantine about it. And he's like, you know what? I'm such a massive Star Wars fan that I got a kick out of them just seeing uh, through th- things like oh my god that's how boba fett became boba fett he called them general antilles moments am i pronouncing that right it's antilles
1: god damn it yeah i was waiting for you to get in there uh there's a general
0: antilles from empire strikes back you see him in one of the prequels and only the most hardcore fans would pick it up but he just got a kick out of it so we called all these little flashback scenes throughout saw we called them the general moments uh and when jason when he was reading the script he's like ah you've got a cool little general antilles moment here uh, <laughs> and so that's where this big stuff that's easily foreseeable, like the setting up the bathroom from the first movie, the the Lee stuff. Then there's really small stuff where actors make appearance appearances, like the fire guy Avi burned in the house from Saw Two makes an appearance in this movie for like half a second, like you wouldn't notice it if you weren't looking for it. There's like tons of shit like that. Um,
1: I like I like how I'm <laughs> obviously I'm going to be defensive about this as like a Star Wars nerd, but I like that. Their equivalent, the saw equivalent of like, we're going to show you the goods. We're going to show you why this guy didn't drown in a tub. (laughs) It's like fucking thrilling. We get to see Amanda pull the plug in a tub. Just
2: amazing stuff. I don't I don't remember having that question after watching the first movie. Right. Yeah, like, no. They are
0: really it's like the nitty-gritty stupid like uh cinema sins, like continuity error type shit right. that they're like we're going to fucking we're going to nail it. What's uh, so
2: funny what's so funny is that like I think that like I I think it it works in this movie but like and I I won't keep talking about future movies cuz obviously you'll get to delve into those delightful treasures soon, <laughs> but I think it's like funny that in trying to answer these questions, they actually made shit so much more complicated than it ever had to be. Like <laughs> <laughs> by, the, by, the, by, like, the sixth or seventh movie, like, you've looped back, like, six times on, like, you know, every every timeline, and, like, there was always, like, a 15th person there you didn't see before, and they're the one who did that thing you forgot about, and it's just, like, it's it's ludicrous, um, but I, I think it's it, it explains a lot that it comes from a place of, like, trying to make sense of this, because I think that, like, the whole thing is so far-fetched, like, the whole, you know, the, like, there, these 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 i kept thinking like how much is it like how much money and preparation goes huh. into these games like it's like they're just incredibly well this like, movie's
0: budget was like almost 11 million which is like a you know huge jump from Christ, the first like, one so and does jigsaw
2: yeah. have that money lying around like where <laughs> yeah. is funding yeah Who's uh, funding this?
0: it's like a it's like gonna get meta like did you see the movie the gentleman where then it ends with like him going to whatever <laughs> studio and selling the script for the movie we're watching like Jigsaw's gonna the the final twist is he's working with Lionsgate and they've been <laughs> funding him this whole time
1: well and i i don't want to spoil I'm, no no one needs to tell me this if they remember because i certainly don't remember what the the nitty-gritty of of the subsequent movies that i haven't seen in years but it is funny that i do recall jigsaw has some money problems in terms of his insurance And I, this is not my general mentality, but one does have to wonder, and maybe they address this and I just forgot. You're like, Jigsaw, you don't have the money. You say you don't have the money for this cancer treatment, but you do seem to have the money to obtain a warehouse. Yeah. It's
0: like the drill tweet about budgeting and candles.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It's exactly that tweet. Yeah.
2: Um, yeah, I mean, you can suspend disbelief, but that's the thing is like, I, I, you know, watching Saw and Saw two, I don't really care that much about logistics of it. Like I I can, I can deal with it, you know? So it's like the more you try to explain it, the kind of the the more that I'm going to notice things that don't make sense or like get annoyed at things because now you've tried to ground it in this like reality where everything is explained very clearly.
0: Yeah. in the original (laughs) cut of the movie also, I think this is just like, I think I mentioned in at saw two, the way it opened, like it's like, you know, opening trap guy gets killed, doesn't win. And then it's like, saw two and then it moves on with the movie and i kind of don't I the movie has a this saw three is like a double f- opening and i don't particularly like that it has that like staccato opening scene thing but like i mean donnie Wahlberg hitting his fucking uh foot a million times with the top uh. of the toilet is harrowing and fucked up but i don't know there's something to like then the open so I, i'm saying this because on the commentary they reveal that like you know that scene originally was in the middle of the movie and played out, as I mentioned, like, in full, like, the flashback thing. Like, it was, like, we we cut to Donnie in the room doing the foot thing, and then it's, like, he's fighting with Amanda instead of it opening the movie and him coming in later.
2: Well, there's that that part where they see each other later, and then he, like... Beats the the living fuck fuck out of her? (laughs) Right, but in in the original cut, she kills him, right? Like, that was the original, like... At least according to my my series online research, after that she was supposed to kill him and then they changed it because they wanted to be able to keep him around for future movies.
0: Yes, I believe that is true. I don't yeah. I do remember God, does she doesn't she leave him? Yeah, she just like leaves him like yelling she in this leaves, one, right? She leaves him there. But but like
2: yeah. I I believe she like the original went
0: back plan, and yes. And definitely.
2: Um which they might have actually filmed. I d I don't know. But um, yeah. Uh I, I, I think it's like i don't know i'm like really into continuity and like i love you know having the same actors run throughout a horror series i think like you know one of the thrills of uh the child's play franchise is like miraculously it's kept like drawing back the original people um oh funny you mentioned that
0: maybe that's our next franchise hint hint
2: uh, oh uh well good if i'm i am i am glad to hear that yeah Uh, even but a hint invite Um,
0: yourself back please
2: great (laughs) we will do um but but yeah, I think that also like it's they 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 clearly want to serve so many characters in, in these movies that like that's also kind of uh, part of the problem. Again, like sticking to Saw three, I think that the I have less of a problem with them trying to kind of balance the the overarching story with the kind of like uh, you know more more the simpler kind of like game of of, of Jeff's uh, journey. But I do think that um, it starts to like wear a little thin for me. And, um, yeah, when I was doing this, when I ro- watched it again, I was like, I'm probably going to keep watching the rest of the Saw series. And then I was like, will I actually watch the rest of the Saw series? Because uh, I, I, I think the ending of Saw 3 is great, but I also, like, didn't feel super enthused to keep going.
1: <laughs> well, yeah. uh, talk a little about Amanda. I'm I'm interested to hear your, more of your thoughts about why. Uh, I, I don't necessarily disagree, even. I'm just interested in, cause, because she is like a character who you know sticks around for the first three and has like a little bit of a little more dynamism maybe than some of the other characters who sort of are there more to eventually you know like dina meyer appears in this movie just to be killed off um you know very uh, horrific donnie yeah it's horrible donnie Wahlberg, worse than when she got it from the bug in uh starship troopers um Donnie Wahlberg is here, pretty much just so be like, "Oh, hey, it's Donnie Wahlberg from the other movie." Uh, there's not like his character is done, you know, in terms right. of uh, in terms of evolution. But but Amanda Shawnee Smith's Amanda is someone who's like still going through something, and uh, I'd be interested to hear why that doesn't work for you.
2: Yeah, because I I think right, like I think that I like parts of it. You know, I kind of you you see her in the flashbacks, and she's very she's very like you know, tortured over having to kill someone. And obviously like the,
0: the you know, killing of Lee scene where you can tell she doesn't want to do it. And it's like a mercy right. kill is
1: pretty right. rough. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And like, and you know, she's obviously a very, you know, damaged person who's going through it in many ways. I just like, I don't feel like as much time as we spend with her. And I, I I'm not saying I wanted more of this. Like I didn't need more flashbacks, but I still don't feel like I have like a clear sense of like what her journey was that turned her into that. Like, yeah she she's kind of just batshit crazy evil in this movie and it like it it grates on me and i like i said i find her relationship to jigsaw to be a little bit confounding because (laughs) if you don't if if you don't buy his teachings if you don't think that he had like his his view of the world is correct then why are you so obsessed with him and keeping him alive when he's clearly very old and sick anyway
1: yeah that's this fair.
0: they that's, I, that's how i feel i think it was lee who said um this movie is a love story between jigsaw and amanda and i think he meant in like a father-daughter way but um he just keeps talking about how emotional it is of a movie for him <laughs> and well darren keeps saying that too actually here's what, i have a comments from I i'm trying to see which commentary this was from but Amanda is someone who has been abused and neglected when she was young. After self-cutting, she moved to drugs. When she met Jigsaw, she got off drugs and became his apprentice. But that rage inside her never subsided, and that's why she doesn't play by Jigsaw's rules. She can't watch her victims live through the games. Instead of cutting herself, she takes it out on her victims. Like, that's, their, that's how they justify her philosophy. And they say she basically you know, took Jigsaw's phlo- uh, philosophy that, that can, canonically is good by this franchise. You know, uh, they, She took that and screwed it up. And um, that is how they explain Amanda's character. Uh, They say we see her break from the rules to kill Lee. She does it because she can't handle the idea of him being left alive. He's starving to death. It's a mercy kill. Producers didn't get it at first. They said, why is she crying? She shouldn't be crying. But they explained it and they eventually understood. Um, The progression of her killing started sympathetic. She's trying to do do it for the right reasons. But eventually she moves on from that. And by the time of Donnie's death, death or whatever. She's moving that way. He taunts her and shh, whatever. Uh, and then we find out she was the one rigging trash. blah blah. It's a personal vendetta. This film is about Jigsaw going up against a serial killer. He's not a serial killer. He considers himself a scientist who puts people <laughs> in situations where they have a choice. Amanda isn't doing that. So this movie is like Jigsaw versus a real serial killer. Someone who has no mercy for the victims. What do you think I of think all
1: in that? This, in, well, in this way I feel like they. You know, I I appreciate the bold choice of having Jigsaw not just being an enfeebled old man and not just having cancer, but like being very close to death in this movie is is very close to death is is they intervene with some gnarly uh, impromptu brain surgery and then he dies anyway by a saw. Well, they said
0: that like, (laughs) you know, we set him up as a serial killer with with terminal cancer and they felt as producers like they had to kill him. And, like, yeah, they, yeah. they, I think it was Darren and Lee all were like, we commend the producers for letting us do this. Like, we could not believe when they pitched it to them. They're like, okay. Because, like, they're like, you know, you're killing the fucking star of your thing. And they were yeah. just, like, and,
1: down with it. And I, I I, do think that's admirable. And it does mean, like, it does kind of indicate a willingness to move this stuff forward a little bit, <laughs> which maybe is or is is not uh, fulfilled in, in the subsequent films. But... I do think if your idea is to have Jigsaw versus a real serial killer, like his his mentor turning against him, I guess it kind of makes a certain amount of sense for him to be enfeebled, so he's really relying on hers. But to make it a really, like, even match, it's probably not the most productive to have Jigsaw, like, you know, seconds away from death for most of the movie. <laughs> it makes the makes the kind of battle of wits far too dependent on the wits for this type of movie <laughs> like there's no you know he there just is a limit to how much he can do to, about anything and i guess that sort of fits some of the thematic concerns of the movie but it does make it seem sort of lopsided if, if the idea is indeed you know jigsaw versus a real serial killer who he's sort of trying to test and flush out by by doing this stuff it sees just seems like it's guaranteed it's like it's only a, a real mono a mano in the sense that at the end jigsaw has his answer about whether amanda can continue his legacy and he is powerless to do anything else but absorb that answer and die <laughs> um like which is i guess maybe that ties into it being more of a quote-unquote emotional journey than like a you know actual you know Freddy versus jason style but uh, but right J- before
0: but, right before he dies lest we forget there's like an mcu style insert of him pouring candle wax on a tape yes. that is not addressed <laughs> in this movie and it's like pretty much just, just should have said like coming next summer saw four
2: yeah. <laughs> i mean they really yeah I and mean, we we see jill like there's like and that's her name right jill his wife yes
0: yes we I, see jigsaw's I, wife in flashbacks for the first time
2: uh, yes and she'll become far too important um, <laughs> i truly
0: forgot that like that's amazing to hear <laughs>
2: yeah oh god um no i she's great but i think that you're right in that like it's weird because it it doesn't i see how it's like you know if it were more like a battle of their ideologies and if they were like kind of if they were if it felt like a more of like a a real kind of like head to head it would be different but he's just kind of hanging out and she's also like like I said, like she's not fighting back against what he's like, he, she's covertly, you know, doing like subverting his plans and doing her own thing, but she's not like going, she's she's kind of obsessed with him and like hopelessly devoted to him and just trying to keep him alive and, you know, by any means necessary. So it doesn't really feel like it's, you know, I, I don't feel much tension between them until the very end. Um, I did want to say, cause you mentioned the brain surgery scene, um, yes. I love the brain surgery. Me too. It's so it, hard pressure, to watch. I will say it makes
1: brain surgery
2: seem kind of easy. <laughs> um,
1: it is. It's like she's measuring, a, like leveling for a shelf. You know, you know just I make-
2: was, I was like, I could do that. Like <laughs> First of all, I was like, I get this. Okay, you have to relieve pressure. You make a hole in the skull. Like blood comes out. I totally get it. I watch, I watch her do this. I'm like, I could totally do that
1: if uh, it's that easy. No lee- problem.
0: Lee really took it upon himself to do the research and actually asked surgeons like if you were in a situation and a serial killer put you in a room and said you had to do brain surgery with like whatever's in the house what would you need to do it and he said uh, a power drill and <laughs> and Lee was like fantastic that's actually the perfect answer <laughs> um, so and I, it's real yeah
2: <laughs> i i think i think what i like and it's oh yes it's very hard to watch um I think that like this movie has this movie, like that, that kind of like cringe is like what I want in a Saw movie, similar to the needle pit where I'm like, this is super hard to watch. It's so it's gross. It's gory. It's like, upsetting that you know the crucifixion it's type like visceral or- it's visceral yeah, that, that, it's the that's same great.
0: the same phenomenon I describe as why I really like the movie 47 meters down I'm like if you put me in a cage in the water that is the most horrifying situation I could possibly imagine I don't want to be there and that movie puts you there for the whole time it and
2: Forty-seven meters down. In fact, um, <laughs> yes. but I, but I, but I will say, like the moment in this movie that crosses the not crosses the line because I'm not like offended by it, but like is on the wrong side of like cringe for me is yeah. the uh, is the rotting pigs because I'm just like at that point I'm like yeah it's gross and I like hate watching it. Like I feel sick, but at what cost? Like I'm not, I'm not impressed by this. Like it's not, it's not hard to gross me out with like rotting pig carcasses in a blender,
1: you know. You're not, like, you're not impressed that Jigsaw had access
2: to upwards oh, of twenty pig carcasses. Very, I'm very impressed slash curious about the logistics of it. I'm just saying, it's like, like Mason
0: Verner, is that his name from from, the yeah, Hannibal? Yes, from
2: Hannibal? I just, I just like, I find like the the kind of like. The the brain surgery scene is, like, fun, heightened gore and the kind of thing I want to see. And, like, the thing the Saw movies were doing that other horror movies weren't or slowly were adapting to and then also doing. Been all doing, but, yeah. <laughs> but, like, the rotting pig harcasses is just, like, yeah, it's a visceral reaction, but it's just – it's cheap to me. Like, it's not – there's no real, like, narrative reason. For, I know that's, like, narrative reason, whatever, but it's, like – it's just like a bizarre kind of of use of jigsaw's time. Yeah. It's
0: like it's a, very it's the most elaborate one. I feel like like and it's, just, and, yeah. it's
2: also, and it's also just like yeah, it's it's fucking gross. But like I just I I, I don't I don't uh, enjoy that as much as the other parts of the movie. And also because like it's the part that I think people will remember. It's like you know it, yeah, it, I guess it some brain surgery, but like it's just so it's memorably gross. But I don't know. I find it a little bit like not lazy but it's not it's not what i'm looking for it's not like <laughs> it's yeah. not my kind of rotting pig part I,
1: I mean honestly that's sort of how i f- felt about the needle pit and saw too and then and i see the point here too that it's an extremely memorable image that may be the only thing you might remember if you're going to remember one thing from the movie and i think you know that makes it really vivid and like kind of awesome to me but the actual logistics of the scene you know as with i harped on this last time the needle pit thing is like definitely cool and scary and horrible uh, but it's really inelegantly like engineered it's just like there's this whole thing about you have to like you have to try to find it in a pit of needles and this one guy's like oh fuck this and just shoves amanda in (laughs) um and jigsaw's like like, like, shit i didn't see that
0: (laughs) coming oh no there's
1: not like there's not like the suspense of someone lowering themselves in and very carefully trying to avoid getting no it's just someone gets shoved in the pit of needles and this similarly there's not like a building suspense about it it's just like pig guts and just well, like, the, the, you know. well
0: because that game is really about he has to watch his t- son's toys get burned
1: yeah, the really disgusting thing Which, is watching a couple of stuffed animals <laughs> get Well, that's
0: the thing. Darren keeps saying while on the on his his second commentary track, he says, you know, he has an incredibly emotional choice to make. Destroy his son's toys or save a man's life who's you know, responsible for his pain. And his pain in this in this scene is like internal and emotional. It's not physical. And that's why he likes it. But uh Darren also says with regard to the brain scene, brain surgery scene, it's not about the gore. This scene's about character development. Not just for jigsaw but for the doctor it's to show that she's a skilled doctor like she can do this and it's also to show that jigsaw is no better than the victims he puts through hell that he's willing to go through it too because in his eyes darren's eyes jigsaw knew he was going to die today this after this like he just knew it was going to happen so like this is him practicing what he preaches he's not a hypocrite i'm willing to be tortured too for the good of the game
1: He's also willing for this poor doctor to get her head blown off in the most disgusting right. way possible on a <laughs> complete whim.
2: Well, well, I guess like I, I, I sort of find that silly because I'm like Darren is person.
0: a Darren is a deeply silly person who like, tries to but, sound serious a
1: lot. To
2: be like to be like the brain surgery is not about the gore. It's like, of course it is. Like it's it can be like a, I get why it's there for a plot reason, but it's also just gross and like it's yeah. fun and that's okay too. I think like. There's a there's a self seriousness in a lot of the Saw movies that I find really like that 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 puts me off, and I think that's like that's why I have a hard time with the melodrama stuff sometimes because it's like you can never really tell how 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 seriously they're taking it, and when I hear them getting like you know this is about character, or this is not about gore, I'm like shut up because yeah the- <laughs> it's like
0: the people who when their horror movie gets big and like well it's not a horror movie it's a thriller yeah.
2: Right, yeah. or like, or they're Ari Aster, and they're just like, I don't, whatever. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's I, 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 It bothers me because I'm like, I, I, understand the, I understand like in a larger sense why they have not embraced the term torture porn and why they kind of pushed back on that for a long time. And I do think that like the Saw movies, at least, well, I don't know. I think the hostile movies actually have a more coherent ideology than the Saw movies. So that's a separate conversation. Um. But I, I That movie's I, all
0: the second one's all about like the inner workings and ideology, I guess you would say. Hostile. Hostile too, right? Yeah. Uh,
2: yeah. I mean Hostile Two is a fucking perfect it's fantastic. movie. But yeah. the, the point the point is like I understand it's that also is like a lot more uh the torture is, is more the focal point in terms of like close ups and horrifying things you can't unsee, and like it's very much about that and like saw has all of that, but also like has all the story. So I get that they were like, it's not just about the games and the torture. And I understand that, but I'm, I'm also like, you know, is it so bad to like call it torture porn? Like, is it, is that so inaccurate? Like, do we have to pretend this is like high art? Because I (laughs) I think it can be, I think you can make like a really fun, really gory movie with great performances. Yeah. And you know, it can be all those things at once. I don't think you have to talk about how, you know, this scene is not about the gore. Cause that's just like in a Saw movie, really?
1: Oh, yeah. he says it a lot. <laughs> yeah, they're, yeah. They're very clearly upping the ante throughout the, well, I think the seriousness of them is something that it, I think you've got that exactly right, that it can be really tedious. I think what's interesting about this series is that, I mean, this happens, I guess, with a lot of long running series. I feel like this happens with like the, you know, Marvel superhero movies or whatever else that the thing that kind of makes it work in the first place which is that these things are serious. They're not like campy, silly torture movies. They're like trying to give you these move, moral dilemmas or whatever that as goofy and as stacked and as like dumb as they are, the movie's taking them seriously, which makes it easy for you to take them seriously in the moment. Afterwards, obviously, like we will, I, I, at least I tend to make fun of them a lot. But like in the moment, I'm like involved. I'm not going like, this is fucking stupid. You know, I'm like, I'm in it. And that is also sort of the series downfall at the same time, because this kind of signature, like, serious melodrama interspersed with these, like, graphic, uh, increasingly graphic horror uh, situations, torture situations, also becomes, as the series goes on ridiculous and like when it's like uh, you know i don't mean to again we can't keep jumping everyone keeps coming ahead to software especially me but like when it becomes like about this hulking sweaty costas mandalore uh franchise (laughs) you're like suddenly a lot like you're suddenly it's kind of more laid bare like oh this is really dumb that this is so serious and so layered with continuity and so you know so full of like twists that are supposed to make you reevaluate stuff so it's kind of what works about the movie, what makes the movie work and the earlier movies work is kind of eventually what also makes them tedious. And that's like what every, every franchise I feel like that doesn't really reinvent itself in some way has to like live and die by that, that cool thing that made them sort of stand out eventually becomes the thing that you're really fucking sick of by part five or whatever it is. And I think that is like, you can see a definite like kind of focal point in Saw three where yeah this like the melodrama stuff is like really starting to gather at the forefront and it becomes even more possible for the director to say, Oh, this is about the emotion of the scene. It's about grief. It's about grief and trauma. Maybe I don't know because every fucking movie is, um, and
0: it's but, about ethics and jigsaw games. It's
1: about, yeah. It no, is kind of, I mean, it is. <laughs> no, no ethical traps under jigsaw. I think is <laughs> the philosophy, um, the, the, yeah. So you eventually, I wish
0: that was the movie's philosophy. <laughs> I think yeah. that there's no ethical traps under Amanda, but jigsaw's <laughs> yeah, cool. Yeah yeah
2: <laughs> well I, I mean i think that, that's a, that's a good point though because you're kind of mentioning like that saw runs counter to like many slasher franchises that came before it they get sillier and sillier as the movies go along or or at least like in saw's mind like i think that like the kind of heightened the heightened gore and the more like the increasingly like you know convoluted traps and all that like that does kind of follow the trajectory of like standard you know slasher movies but the fact that the movie like takes itself more and more seriously. The series as it goes along is like, you know the opposite of of like Nightmare on Elm Street, for yeah, example. Yeah, there's no, one, like, there's you no know. one
1: around to make a make a funny quip or to do like a campy kill. I mean, there's like kind of increasingly rococo kills, but it doesn't have that figure in there because because when Jigsaw is in there, it's in mournful flashbacks instead of like Jigsaw's not there, wisecracking or like being silly or whatever, eating like, a bowl you know, of
0: sorry. Cheerios to to, to <laughs> piss off Don, Donnie Wahlberg. <laughs>
2: exactly. Yeah, I mean, I think there's like there's there, like the movies like. I don't know. There's like less of a sense of humor as as we go along. Not that the first saw is like a laugh riot.
0: I mean, it's but, funny though. Like but, Lee's funny. Like Lee's a funny yeah. guy, and it comes through for sure.
2: Right. And um, I think that yeah. and and Saw Two has some moments that are kind of darkly funny. Um. And I just feel like you know, by at this point, like Saw Three just felt like very. Uh, it's like serious business. I don't know. Yeah, it's it not, is. Yeah, no, no. When you when you bring there's in someone
1: who's who's mourning the death of their child and is like. Not being a good parent to their remaining child, even though even though those scenes are relatively brief uh, and like not particularly well wrought in terms of like a portrait of grief or whatever, they they are yeah no the tone of it is very like oh Jesus like this is this <laughs> is rough stuff this isn't just like an ironic punishment for someone who drunk you know drove drunk once or something or like you know yeah yeah it's just like there is just something like much more heavy and despairing and like the way it ends up I mean like. That Lynn, the doctor, who is like nothing but a good person, and we all we learn about her late in the movie is oh, her she has gone through even more suffering than she's let on and is killed in the most horrific fucking way possible. I guess it's fast, so maybe it's not the most possible, but it's yeah, what I we see much, of it is
2: I would just much horrifying. rather have that death than a uh, guy whose limbs are slowly turned the wrong. Yes. Way.
0: That's oh my true. God, yeah. I can't even handle that shit. Um, <laughs> That brings me to... Well, first of all, I'm glad you brought up Hostel just because they they brought up Hostel a few times in the commentary because think of the timing. Hostel was what? 04? I
1: think Hostel was 5 and oh, I think Hostel 2 was... Okay. Six well, then that's six. actually
0: even closer. So Hostel yeah. would just come out. So Devil's Rejects, Hills Have Eyes were 2004. And they brought those up to say the MPAA, MPAA got more pushback for those three movies than for like <laughs> anything that they'd ever seen. So they had to submit Saw 3 to get an R like 50 fucking times. Like so many times more than the other movies. And um, so much so that Darren Lynn uh, Lynn Bousman ended up like on a fucking daily phone call with Rob Zombie to ask his advice on how to best the MPAA. (laughs) And he told them they got got NC-17 nine times on Devil's Rejects, I think. (laughs) And I think they got it even more times here. So... Zombie told him how to get to the people at the MPAA, and it was to um, you know, justify the, t- the, the, the torture, basically. So he's like, originally, the NPA had a problem with the nude girl getting frozen to death. And he said, cried to the MPAA. once they heard me out via Rob Zombie style, <laughs> uh, they were like fine with it. He's like, talk to them in the about the merits of why you filmed it the way you did and why it's important. So he said, here's a naked woman being tortured, but it's not about nudity here. I had a whole thing about like, she was going to be in a white t-shirt, but then you add, you know, you shoot water on a white t-shirt, then it becomes about, then it's like sexy inherently. So he's like, if she's fully nude the whole time, it is sexless, it's not sexy at all. And the MPAA, that was good enough for them. But... I just want to point out the MPAA stuff because they had a problem with, of course, every fucking sequence in this movie. They submitted the twisty thing at the end like eight times before they eventually were like, please shoot this in silhouette. We just can't do it. (laughs) And they were like, they had a problem with the arms turning. So they're like, okay, fine. We'll shoot the gears. And they're like, no, you can't show the gears turning. And then they're like, okay, well, why don't we show his face crying? And they're like, "No, no, 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 that's even worse. So they tried it with all those things, and they eventually reordered it and just tricked them and like got it to work and the theatrical cut, apparently it cut it's cut very badly, but on the unrated cut, holy fuck, you see every one of his limbs go and his head get turned around, like you see his head get turned around. Yeah. It is harrowing to say the least, and I, I think the producers mentioned something that I would normally say is bullshit, but I totally agree with that the actors' performances in these scenes really help sell it like these aren't schlocky low budget horror movie performances like the black dude who's in the fucking twisty jesus thing he is screaming for his life and like i bought it like i fully buy that scene and the chick who's freezing too like i like that scene works because she's so scared and like i think that's kind of an undersold element maybe for this one that works like i think future entries they do not get those characters right you know what i mean like they just get shittier
2: yeah i mean i think that like that is definitely true that like you know the, the there's a lot the performances they feel like they're really being tortured these people you yes. you really like you definitely feel uh, obviously you don't feel the degree of pain they're feeling thank thank God but like you feel like you know it's you have that reaction because like you very much believe this is happening um, and that's and that's totally true um, yeah the rating stuff is funny because it just kind of shows I mean we know this but so like every time I remember, yeah totally it's like so, it's like so made up and like, you know, the idea of a movie getting an NC-17 for violence is so silly to me because it's just, like, it, it, it's not, like, I, I don't know. It's just, it's 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 all very silly. It's, like, it's not really, like, it, the fact that you have to contextualize it to, like, these random people who decide what rating a movie gets is, like, just...
0: Uh, it's ridiculous. Yeah. It, 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 oh, oh, please counsel. Please give right. my movie a, an R rating.
2: <laughs> and also, like, I have to say, of all the, of all the slasher movies, uh, if Saw really qualifies, maybe, um, I'm not so worried about copycat murders here. It would just be like, <laughs> yeah. no one no one has the kind of like planning and money and whatever if to do. If we had a
0: vigilante serial killer killing really bad people. All <laughs> that. I'm just kidding. That's the thing though, because well, Jigsaw's victims are often, as we mentioned, like sometimes it's like, what did, what did Lynn do? What did the doctor yeah. do? Why is, why yeah, is she yeah. involved?
1: Yeah. Well, and like, what did, what did po- the, the uh, Jeff's, daughter due to be deserved like that's that to me like that's that's in the director's cut that it kind of ends with uh she's running out of oxygen good luck uh, Oh yeah
0: like, yeah is that like, not mentioned in the
2: other cut i'm not i forget I, that i did i did i did watch uh whatever version i watched okay. so maybe that is right. the director's cut i watched but uh yeah the yeah. ending well first
0: of all the director's cut ending that is different that he said when they tested when they test screened it like okay so the the unrated director's cut ending we all know that uh lynn gets her head blown off but in the unrated director's cut which is as i mentioned earlier there's three versions of this movie in the director's cut the camera lingers on lynn's exploded head as jeff is sitting next to her like inconsolable and it just lingers on that for like 45 seconds or something and it's like fucked up and it really does leave an insane taste in your mouth like that that was fucked up um but they cut that from the theatrical version because when they screened it there was just like 40 seconds of dead silence from the audience at when that happened, and then people just started laughing. <laughs> And they said they didn't want that reaction. I just found that a crazy reaction. I'm like, I don't know why you would laugh just because it's so so fucked up. I guess. I guess yeah, that is I mean, how I react. It's it's,
1: it's, it's shocking. Yeah. I mean, like, it's, I, I, I mean, the movie, I, I the really regular
0: version is a quick flash of her face, but like the well,
1: that's that's much more the house saw the the Saw House style. Like, I bet that was part of the. You know, I don't think people are actually literally thinking say this isn't using as many cuts as usual. But like, I think it, there is kind of an subliminal effect where you learn what a Saw movie looks like, and the Saw movie style is to go like you know like yeah. Yeah. swirl the camera around cut to which lots again of screaming, is you know, funny yeah.
0: because it started as like a budget necessity and now just is became the bread and butter because that's yeah. just the way it, yeah. they shot them all <laughs> uh lee was uh said where do you go from here after so much gore he's like you have to do something this is hilarious in lieu of knowing what we know about what comes next he says you have to do something disturbing and hard-hitting and go to another level emotionally without having to show gore uh, that's what he said. I think he was joking. I'm not really sure. He's always fucking joking, that guy. He's really great. The commentaries are all very enjoyable. I'm trying to find other stray notes that I wanted to talk about. Uh, Darren keeps saying it's not about the gore. We mentioned that. Uh, the original ending, the shot lingering. Uh, Darren is a massive Darren Aronofsky fan, actually. And he bought the Requiem for a Dream score on CD. And he said that, like, never letting up the building. That's why... He said that's what he told Charlie Clouser to do, but I mean Charlie Clouser already fucking had this done before Darren was on board. Um, I don't know if there's any other notes I wanted to say. Do you have any? Oh, uh, I, yeah. I'm
2: looking at my notes, and I just wanted to say we mentioned uh, the Carrie's evisceration with the, her ribs getting pulled apart, oh, yes. and that is really awful. But I do want to point out that uh, her hand in the acid is like maybe more awful it's like it's like it's a really uh fucked up thing to imagine and i have a hard time with her digging for that key while the acid is eating her flesh away
1: it's rough it's rough stuff yeah and for d and, and dina for- meyer dizzy flores herself yeah exactly meyer. She, deserves, she deserves, that she
0: deserves that trap which i think is really fucked up and gross and like very like you know almost as fucked up as the last one um Originally, they wanted her to be like drawn and quartered, like have all her limbs pulled in four different directions. Um, and then it ended up being that instead. So I love well, hearing about the alternate traps.
1: It's a weird, it's just also a weird dynamic. Cause I know it's like, oh yeah, it's Amanda and she is just fine with straight killing people. But it does bring a weird dynamic into the Saw movies because they haven't really been the type of movies where you know, a character's in them for a couple movies and then really gets it bad. You you, you know, it's not like the kind of typical slasher thing of like, oh, well, this person survived but they're going to get, you know, they're going to get fucking killed by Michael Myers next time. So there is a kind of, I don't know, there's something, there is a little bit of edge of cruelty to this movie in a couple places. There's, Killing the Dina Meyer character who's not really, you know, who's not really been in the position to be, like, randomly trapped by Jigsaw because, of course, his, his methods don't involve just, like, smiting his enemies. They're supposed to be people who have done something wrong, and we don't think that she's done anything wrong. And then that stuff at the end with the daughter being, like, having been kidnapped and her air supply is running low and you better, you know, make it through or else she's going to get killed. Like... In the previous movie, the, the son, the kind of whole gag of it is that I guess there's plenty of opportunity where the son could get killed, the son of Johnny Wahlberg's character, but ultimately... No, he's in
0: a safe and secure place.
1: Yeah, I mean, but it, when kidding. he's in that house, there's a yeah. number of things that could happen to him, but, you know, it seems like he's somewhat protected. He's not, like, immediately put in... I mean, he's, I guess, given, I don't know, the idea that he's given the antidote before he's put in the... Anyway, whatever. Like, that's right on the line, I think. Uh, but then when you're getting into... Okay, so Jigsaw is... Again, and I know it, it's hard to take the moral clarity of it that seriously. But this is Jigsaw's plan, not Amanda's. That it would make sense to teach someone a lesson to kidnap their pre daughter and put her in a situation where she's going to run out of oxygen and die if he doesn't do certain things. Like, that leaves a sour taste, too, to end the movie on that. Like, that... <laughs> that kind of make i don't know if the idea is just to make you okay with the fact that jigsaw just got killed because like that just seems i don't know that's even within the kind of like ooh, this is not actually a you know moral system here well i'll tell that... you
0: something else that'll make you feel some type some type of way originally <laughs> lynn was pregnant in this uh... movie they had a line of dialogue in that scene at the beginning that's a fake out where you think it's her husband but it's uh. like she's cheating on her husband with this guy or whatever and he's like we you know what do you want from me and he says a divorce but the line is means what it you know it's just like a uh, misdirection classic saw but in yeah. that scene she says like i'm late or whatever like to infer that she's pregnant and they had to cut that because they're like wow we just felt really bad doing that but they had <laughs> no problem leaving the girl to die I guess. well
2: i mean i think that like you know that's the thing is like it. Doesn't, it's a slippery that's... slope i guess Well, that's, but that's what my thing is, like, that's part of why Jigsaw's, like, morality doesn't actually make any sense, because he's doing horrible things to people, and, like, there's obviously a lot of collateral damage there, and, like, it makes sense in the context of, like, teaching someone a lesson, why you would bring in his wife, his daughter, like, that is, like, part of Jeff's lesson, so it makes sense in that context, but, like, it's still Jigsaw, like, killing innocent people, Uh, so it doesn't really, like... It doesn't. It, there's there's a there's a lack of logic there. The internal logic falls apart very quickly. As you been saying, so I hear you. Like it, de- it definitely crosses a line. But like, also at the same time, makes sense because like, how else you want to teach this this like this guy the lesson that you want to teach him about about not appreciating the things that he does have after losing his son? You know, he's neglecting yeah. his wife and his daughter, and now look at what's you know, now he's going to lose both of them. Yeah. Um, it's a it's a fucked up lesson. I don't entirely agree with that. I think I think therapy would be a much more compassionate <laughs> for everyone, uh for everyone involved. But
0: Men would rather run an elaborate torture <laughs> scenario than go to therapy.
2: That, it, it's true. Um yeah. I yeah, I I, I, I also like looked it up because I was like, you know, they, they resolve every like, you know, every thread from all the movies is always like resolved even if I don't want it to be in like yeah. some movies. Do they ever address the daughter, or she's just dead?
0: I don't think they ever do. Uh, I think, I, I, I think we'll keep dead. an eye out for it, but I, I don't think they get to it. Because um, I
2: couldn't remember, and I could not find it, so I'm pretty sure uh, know, she, we don't she, even know, right? Like,
1: I what don't even know her fucking name. I don't think. Like, she's like we don't, an
0: afterthought.
1: We don't know even what the gauntlet being thrown down for him is. He just said they're going to play a game. You know, they're going to. You know, I guess so we have tested, to listen
0: yeah. to that candle wax tape yeah. and find out. <laughs>
2: um so speaking speaking of jigsaw's stupid morality and how it makes no sense amanda's like sin is being a drug addict is that the problem she's like a cutter and a drug addict i think it's
0: more that yeah I think she doesn't I, appreciate but... her own life i guess is like yeah that's, the idea.
2: Just, I, that's gross i find yeah. it gross he's he's had a really regressive view of jigsaw's thing.
0: problematic i think we finally <laughs> got there <laughs>
2: yeah, and three episodes be- in uh, yeah. It's it's he's long dead. So yeah,
0: he's gonna be can if if he were alive, he would be canceled by now. But he's not, <laughs> so he lives in infamy. But a uh, few random things that I found in my notes were that this is the first one where like they knew what they were doing in the next movie while making it. You know, that's like a new step for the franchise. I just wanted to like throw it out there. I don't know what that means for this movie other than that one scene where they fucking do the tape (laughs) that you're going to see later. But this is the first one where they're like, oh, we knew what we're doing. We knew we know we're going to kill Jigsaw because we have a great plan for the next three movies is what they said. Um, (laughs) uh, The MPAA, as I mentioned, you know, they gave him a lot of trouble, but they said, Darren said he wanted to include the letter the MPAA sent with the DVD, which they didn't do, but it said this film will have to be placed through a strainer if it ever intends on receiving an R rating. We don't know where to begin.
1: It's so it, well, I mean I think what's so bizarre of people with, with the MPA themselves seem to forget and certainly I think I'm guilty of forgetting when we're discussing MPA ratings is that even when you're talking you know are talking earlier about like it's the, the laughability of someone imitating jigsaw uh, the whole uh, you know what you're talking about when you're talking about R versus NC-17 is not even like, is it going to, you know, is a troubled 22-year-old going to see this movie and imitate it? You're just saying, can a, ch- can a parent bring their child who's under 17 to see this movie? And it, if the rating is R, the answer is yes. Uh, some kind of uh brett's parents could bring him to see Saws. as they did oh yeah they did or (laughs) love you guys or and and if the answer is in in the it's if it's nc-17 the answer is no the just the kid just has to be 17 or older you have to leave you
0: have to leave the kid in the car
2: yeah (laughs) (laughs) nc-17 is actually you have to be 18 is it i feel like they switch it i I, I learned that when i went to see the dreamers
1: when i was (laughs) Oh my uh, god! That changed because they they did make a change. It used to be seventeen and up, and then it was above or or some weird That is fucking ridiculous
0: that it would have seventeen yeah. in the name of the thing and it would be no, eighteen. It's, it's, no,
1: it's so no,
2: it was no children seventeen or under admitted. Yeah. Oh god, yeah. you're right. I yeah.
0: think that's a technicality but, that most theaters include. Uh, yeah. Definitely, I don't yeah. Think yeah I think you mean. got screwed by a really p- good employee.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I did have seen the dreamers. I wonder. I mean, also, like, I don't know how this really works. Like in in this day and age like pandemic aside like you can pretty much just stream anything yeah um and basically that's only increased in the past year so i have to wonder like how much these rating distinctions actually matter uh especially given that like most of what you're you know when you go stream something now you're gonna get like the unrated directors cut anyway yeah and also you know
0: what's like not rated like twitter.com and like the internet and like people can see anything yeah
2: I think, I think we can, there's a lot of reasons why movie ratings are, are silly, but I, I also just wonder like if the system makes any sense now and like, you know, like do filmmakers still have to like, I don't, I don't know. We don't, you know, there aren't a lot of like, I can't think of torture centric horror movies in the past few years. That kind of, that moment came and went. Um, But I, I don't know that like there would be the same battle with the MPAA now that there was yeah there's
0: like there's periods of time where it's bad like it's weird because there's that time period where like i forget which texas chainsaw massacre like there's a change but like there's like a time when it's like oh they don't care at all and then it's like oh it's like the 90s now or like the late i think it's like the early 90s when they were like yeah this isn't gonna happen and then like in the 2000s it was fine again there's just like little patches of time when the mpa gets really up in arms about what can and can't be on screen i think we're now in a time where everything's fine again like, yeah. everything uh, yeah. can come out, and it's going to get an R, probably. Um, yeah. Another couple of random things. I mean, the star of this movie is, like, an Iranian woman, and that's kind of a big deal and interesting. And she was cast because she just had made Crash, an Oscar-winning film from Lionsgate, and Lionsgate just cold asked her to be in this movie, to star in it. And she, had, she hates horror movies, had never seen them, uh, and watched them and was horrified and was like, sure, I'll do it.
1: She's quite good in it. Like, she I, is. I, she like those parts as as i Liz alluded to are not always really great and I she does have like a nice kind of like centered kind of grounded believable presence. She's like
0: a real actress in a saw movie. Like it, it, yeah, doesn't, it exactly, doesn't it doesn't it exactly. doesn't fit but it does. She's really <laughs> yeah. good. Uh, I just wanted to call that out and think it was funny that she did crash and then this movie. Um fuck, I had something else to say but I will say this that I remember Uh, This is something that probably only Darren Lynn Basman noticed. Maybe you noticed it. This movie has a ton of those transitions where it's like the camera's moving and then it goes to another place, another location and scene. Those were all done practically in camera. It's crazy when you actually like look at it and think about it. So basically the sets, you know, this movie was made on a soundstage in a very small soundstage. And the fact that this movie looks so big is like a testament again to how well it was shot and edited because it's really just a few rooms, like, side by side, and, like, it really feels like a huge space, you know, and they just did that through editing, but, like, every time the camera does one of those, like, it's transitioning from one scene to another, it's really the camera moving from one set to another, including the one-shot take where Dina Meyer, like, is on a crime scene, and then she's in a t- bathtub. She ran, dethrone, like, de- got undressed and jumped in the bathtub in that, like, shot. It is so like one of those things when you hear about it, you're like, "Wow, you didn't need to do any of that, huh?" <laughs> that's
2: that's pretty. That I mean, that's cool. It's um,
0: cool. It's like good for you. That's like a waste of a day, maybe, but I like it.
2: Season season four finale of Buffy Restless, where they're all dreaming. Mm. They use the interconnected sets so that like you would have someone crawling out of the basement and right like ending up right in. The school hallway because all the sets were connected that way yeah that's so, amazing. i love that so so buffy did it first <laughs>
0: i mean they then they talk about the transitions because they're like we have you know we have to really we have a hard problem here We have to jump from pre-saw one post-saw one pre-saw two post-saw two and they're like how do we do that so they're like really showy transitions is how we do that apparently uh and darren <laughs> got like infuriated when any he said, like, any time like they would be like can we cut this he's like no i spent all day making that shot we're not cutting it so <laughs> he there's a lot of those um I, I had another like fun fact that it was like in the vein of the crash thing oh the scary movie 4 thing uh the set of the the the, the set from saw 1 that's in this movie like the bathroom scene that is the actual set from scary movie 4 that featured dr phil and shack um the the set was in <laughs> Vancouver, I think, and, and Saw shot in Toronto or vice versa. So they called Bob Weinstein and were like, hey, can we use this? And he's like, if you can truck it over to, over there, fine. And they did. And uh, they painted it to look a little better. <laughs> and uh, that's from Scary Movie 4. I just love that, that they're, you know, using stuff. Oh, and the, the Saw 4 process. So I mentioned that, that, you know, they know that they're working on another one now. And they meant the producers mentioned that there's three different, at this time, when they were making the commentary for Saw 3, like on pre-production for Saw 4. At this time, there were three different complete sets of ideas. They hired three fans of the franchise, all like, you know, established Hollywood writers that love Saw. And then James and Lee ended up like supervising those writers. So basically, I don't know how much involvement Lee and James have in the future. But this is kind of where it for the most part ends, I would say.
2: And, th- and, th- and that is kind of where everything falls apart.
0: Yep. 100%. And we're definitely going gonna...
2: to... brought in fans, which is never the right thing to do.
0: Yeah. It's very <laughs> interesting. And I'm excited to talk about that next week I'm on, on our Saw 4 episode. But Saw 3, uh, I really like it. I really like this movie. I think the... I think jesse's right that like this melodrama just like it's believable when you're watching it and it's really engrossing and i didn't mind watching this movie four times this week with commentaries because i'm like yeah i really i wanted to know all about it and i I find it really engrossing and engaging and i'm not looking forward to the next four weeks or five weeks or whatever it is um (laughs) but yeah this was a lot of fun guys thank you so much for uh talking about saw three any final word for for either of you on on the subject
2: um, I mean, I feel like I've I've said my piece. I I was very, you know, I feel like I was harder on this movie than like I I still enjoy it. I Do guess we, I had to be the yeah the, the voice. Um, but but I, I I you know it's it's solid and like if it's not as good to me as Saw and Saw two, it's still like you know worlds better than anything anything that followed except maybe six. Yes, six, is, good six
0: is a banger. I think it's got a lot. It's got a lot to say about the American healthcare system. Sure it does. Uh, Jesse. any final word saw three?
1: Um no, I think this could have used a little more of the pandit thought saw themes theme music. Oh, you the, know what?
0: The... the the theme music in this one, like when it starts kicking in, I feel like it's, it starts with like a new like understated riff uh, like yes. it's got like a like a string section or something where it's like dun dun but like it's doing the fucking noise i'm not gonna do it It's yeah, not gonna sound yeah, any yeah. different <laughs> but in the movie like when it first starts the montage of him being like amanda like the game was yours all along or whatever it is and like it starts like really slowly and i'm like oh yeah. this is fun it gives me like chills just thinking about it i'm like oh i love <laughs> the music so much
1: i just want more of it all the time <laughs> <laughs> yeah
0: i gotta i'll probably rectify this episode and put it in the beginning and the end again um but yeah thank you everybody this is the saw three episode you can follow lewis uh pitesman on twitter i believe that's his handle even at Thanks. lewis Peitzman. uh jesse's at rock marooned i'm at brett redacted uh we'll be back next monday with randall colburn of the losers club for saw four goodbye <laughs>